you. By now. About to witness. The awesome. A crushing a might. Oh the U D S Robinson Show Stepper! Welcome, my friends, to a show that seemingly, apparently, never ends. Third law of thermodynamics, V6. Let's see. Let's see what I can do. It. V65. Well, I could do the other hand, but the other hand is playing the soundtrack. Uh, this is about UFC 237. Marginally about ESPN plus PPV. About my picks for the week. UFC Rochester, Bellator. With the real icing. The real cherry on the top. It's a theory I've hit on to explain life to you. I'm going to make a screenplay out of it, make a movie, make a million dollars. You were there first. But right now, Bob Riley, singer for Stigmata. That's who we're listening to. The song is called Intro, All of Nothing. From the record, Calling of the Just, still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they hit your car with a hammer. Listen. Learn. Could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, my friends. My friends, uh, those of you um, who made it this late, sorry, it's late. I had a bunch of stuff that needed to be done. Uh, specifically, oh yeah, there are people still tuning in. Specifically, uh, I had to do the care, don't care preview where I got one of my picks right. I got three wrong and, uh, Steph and John Nash thought they were going to have a, a chortle festival, but Hey, I take my lumps like a man. It, it, I don't mind losing well, right? By which I mean losing on the basis of conviction that I don't mind. You know, which is why I created the class Gict and Gicta, because those people who are Gicts, guys or gals I can't trust, or guys and gals I can't trust anymore, acronym, they are the wrinkles in time. They are the discontinuities. They are the speed bumps. They are the, 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 the drama points, the days when everything is going right, except for that one thing that makes it suddenly a very different day. <laughs> All right, Susie, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think I'd see the phone. 
those what gicks or gictas are. If I'm swung low by a gict or a gicta, I think it's my fault and I just wasn't paying attention and I'm angry with myself. But if I lose, honestly, hats off to you, Steph. Hats off to you, John Nash. I'm Jake. Anyway, housekeeping. Uh, we, As I said, we ended the month. Forget about April now. It's all about May. Some of you have gone in and upped your donation from a dollar to two dollars or from uh, two dollars to five. That's cool. Those of you who gave the $10 donation, I've called, I think, most of you. If, if for the $10 donation, you get a call from me. If you gave a $10 donation, excuse me, I'm dying because you know I just ate. Grammatically speaking, I just had something to eat. Um, those of you who, who uh, give 10, get the call. If I haven't called you, you got to remind me. Sorry, that's the way it works. And I can't believe that for $12 donation, I said I was going to send something, and those I have four of you on my list. Uh, I sent out uh, ten things, so I'll get to the other four sometime this week. Sorry, it's slow, but you know how it goes. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/thestomper is a place to go if you want to donate a little bit money to the show. I'm only hammering it because I don't want you guys to end up surprised when you tune in on Sunday nights and there's nothing here, right? As there are a couple things I did say. As long as one person listens, I will do it. Um, but there's something else. I, I mean, this is a weird kind of secondary proviso. Um, I still gotta. I, I still need to be remunerated um, because this stuff costs, and I'm actually getting to the point where I need a new laptop. Not now, not because I'm I'm hep to the product cycle. And I have the last edition of the MacBook Pro that's got the drive in it. And I like to watch DVDs still. It's bad enough. I can't watch my videotapes. All that. Russ Meyer gave me a bunch of shit, original stuff on videotape. I got to go to Goodwill or something to get a VCR and a TV or somehow to play it. Because I'd like to see some of that stuff every now and then. So what I'm saying is patreon.com slash the stomper. Donate. Give a little. If you can't, that's cool. Um, and if you give a certain level, you get stuff out of it. So it's not like you're being completely taken to the bank uh, or, or whatever the expression is. Anyway, uh, let's see. What else? Is, it, is that it? Oh, uh, at Eugene S. Robinson. If you desire to uh, tweet me during the show, I will see your tweets. Uh, they come up on the phone. I find it slightly distracting, but I can multitask like a like a SOB. Um, and let's see. Usually... If I can, if I can think of it, um, I will have a question and answer session in the middle. If I'm rolling, I can't let you do it. I can't let you kid not tell me, and I must continue. Um, mm, let's see what else. Uh, at Eugene S. Robinson for Twitter, Mister Sleep, and the number three. Ew, I'm going through puberty. The number three uh, for Instagram, but it's gate kept on Instagram. You got to have post on your page, otherwise, I assume you're a spy. And I got to be able to look at those posts before I let you in. Otherwise, I assume you're a spy. And don't ask me who's spying on me because the answer, as you well know, is everybody. Nobody's watching you, Rockwell. <laughs> That's what they want you to think. Anyway, let's get to UFC 237. You remember out of about 14 fights on the card, in total, I only cared about four. And I had to be talked into one of those by, uh, by Steph uh, Haynes, who, who uh, a lot of times... You know, like we're doing it. We're stepping up to the power mutual window. We're about to get place our money. And I'm standing there hemming and hawing. 
And Steph, a lot of times, will go, come on, just, just trust me on this one. Put your money down on this one. And she's done that a couple times, and it's redounded to my benefit. So I'm willing to listen. All ears on Steph. God love her. That's perfect. So anyway, UFC 237. The big question is, they screwed up ESPN Plus, screwed up so badly on the last pay-per-view. Um, I wanted to see specifically if this one would work out. Apparently, a woman who is friend of Steph's uh, was rushing home to do it, bought it on her phone, and then shock of all shocks, got home and realized that she then couldn't take care of it, transfer it from her phone to her TV. So she had to watch the whole fight on her phone. I get it on my phone, have no interest in watching it on my laptop, don't know if I could and don't have a TV at home. So I guess that's a wrinkle. But my experience uh, was pretty fucking cool. They, they clearly, I mean, keep in mind, they've got basketball, they got hockey, they got that, you know, they've got a, a lot of other things to experiment with. So they, they mm, pivoted pretty quickly. Whatever was screwed up about the first time they attempted to do pay, um, uh, uh, ESPN Plus slash pay-per-view, it didn't work. I'm going to have to give a thumbs up to this one. I mean, I'm not switching formats a lot, but watching it on my phone, like Steph said, because I'm always on the move, um, it's cool. I went to a, a Russian party yesterday with a bunch of uh, Russians, and uh, it's a miracle I got out of there because uh, uh, they were drinking everything. How old are you, my friend? Well, these guys were like, man, you, when you get old like me, I go, how old are you? I was born in 1962. 1963, that pauses. He goes, no, I don't believe this. I go, no, I was born in August 1962. He's like, uh, I said, you can, you can ask my wife over there. How old is she? Well, she's like 34 or something. I, I, I don't like this. And the rest of the night, the guy's sitting there and he's drinking. He's looking. He's looking and he's drinking. Now, I'm not saying that the guy was physically, physically threatened me. But I think he was thinking about the course his life had taken. And I'm glad I've left him with much additional knowledge, wisdom. He looked at me for an explanation. And the only explanation I could think to give him was good, clean living. And he kept a straight face when I said it. So that's where I was when the fight started. But, it, you know, suddenly it's a weird thing that this ESPN Plus does. Because watching the fights, excuse me, watching the fights is not an event that I need to go someplace for, a wine bar, somebody's house, watch it on my phone. The, even the, the jankiest fight, it's still, I still have to make room for it because, at least according to my wife, she just, you're just staring at your phone. Whatever, what, what do they call it? Phone ignoring? There's a phrase, new internet phrase for it. Not fabbing, you know, with somebody just on their phone around you. Yeah, it, it pisses me off. But if I'm watching the fights, so we stay. I'm mindful. I keep my mind the time. I had to drink it, drink it. 
And finally she says, are you okay to drive? I go, fuck yeah, I'm okay to drive. Let's get out of here. We blast out of there. I'm sorry, I'm hearing things. Um, I gotta get a weapon going here. Blast out of here. Sorry, <laughs> okay, bro. I'm not gonna be some internet story where the guy gets taken on the show. Forget about that. So, um, um, so we blast out of there, and I, I tune it up on the phone, and I get she as we get almost get home. She's ah, we like to go to Baskin Robbins. I'm like, God, ah, no, okay, you know. So, uh, but I get it on the phone, and she goes in. I'm watching it in the car, and I get in on Jose Aldo. I, I've watched the other ones that I wanted to see uh, prior to. Um, but let's go back in time because we can't fuck around. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. So, um, Rose and Jessica Andrade. Now, some of you, some I'm a big fan of both of these women, um, but some of you raise the specter. Like, I don't know whether it's that you know me well enough at this point to know where I might ziggeth, where others what zagath. Um, or you had a feeling and, and, and you want confirmation of that feeling and you suspect that the last truly free voice in America might give voice to that feeling. And you know what I'm talking about? Those of you who are on the Twitter feed know that the feeling I'm giving voice to is that Jessica Andrade, she, 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 she's, she's pretty strong. Uh, and they started getting a little steamed with me on the Care Don't Care preview, which even though it debuts Monday afternoon, we recorded on Sunday. And I said, listen, listen, let, let me, let me, like I did with the fight before, let me give you a scale, zero to 10, about the level of conviction I have about the cleanliness of Jessica Andrade's uh, uh, routine, regime. I said, at first I started off saying a three with say nine is paulo costa right nine is a paulo costa 10 would be a, 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 a tj dillashaw i've got direct confirmation okay a, a three is a is a is a is a low it's 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 a, it's a tremor. It's a gut feeling, and then after the course of of the course of uh, 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 the care don't care, I said, "Listen, listen, I, I'm willing to." And and Steph is a big uh, Jessica Andrade fan. She goes, "She's done that before. She's always taken it down." I go, "You're missing. You're missing the point here. You're missing my point. I don't have. I have two. I have two semi-reliable indicators." about somebody's uh, use of performance enhancing drugs. One is a whispering nipple. However, gynecomastia can be a naturally occurring event and it's absent in women who have breasts anyway. So it's not a reliable indicator. The most reliable indicator, um, I can't do it remotely. Under most circumstances, if I work out with somebody or near somebody or see them working out, over even just an hour, a 30 minute period, I can usually peg it 98% uh, 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 steroid effective pickery. Why? 
couple things. There's no refractory period when you're on. One, because you know you're on. So you have the was it the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak. The flesh is the flesh is willing, the spirit is willing, and you will blast through a two-hour work. What used to take you two hours before will take you an hour now. You're not resting a minute between 60 seconds between sets. You're maybe 30. You can blast it out. No refractory. It's not enough for me to get above a three, and I actually said I would go down to two. But what Steph was saying, she's always take, she's always slamming people. That's her move. That's her move. I'm not saying it's not her move. It's, that might be consistent. But I'm looking for somebody. If I slam you round one, realistically speaking, I'm probably not ready to try another slam until round three. That's me. Of course, me is lifting somebody who's 210, where if I was fighting, I'd probably drop down the middleweight. 185 if I could, or at the very least, uh, uh, a light heavy. Just craziness. Stupid. I do like cannoneer and drop down further. But this is, well, that's a moot point. 56-year-old man, I'm not fighting professionally. So I said, look, I, I, you know, I'm not, she got tuned up. It was one of the best rounds. I was more impressed with what Rose did in round one. It was it was Dominic Cruzian. It was it, it was pretty it was pretty fucking slick. I I really like Rose. I like her whole shtick, and I like Jessica Andrade too. So the first time she gets she gets dumped on her head. Apparently they were prepared for it. She threatens with with a, a Kimura, and apparently those of you who online. According to John Nash, are flipping out now about about the pile driver because it looked bad, and everybody's kind of you know white knighting it and wanting to protect Rose. Rose is a fucking fighter; she's fine. You've seen people dumped in their heads before. Question is about the arc. In other words, was it to throw the person down, or was it very specifically to land them on the top of the head where they could break the neck? I don't think intentionality. I don't think that was Andrade's intention, and um, and I have to say that eighty percent of the people would have dealt with it differently. She had some success, Rose. I'm speaking of specifically with threatening with the the Kimura. and this put her in a great position when that and people are making fun of Dominic Cruz, who said it's impossible. It's impossible. But what they don't pay attention to is the fact that Andrade switched legs. Now, after this show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upload the uh, JJB where we go through the same thing. I am playing uh, uh, Rose, and Marty, my assistant, Marty G, is playing Jessica Andrade, and we go through it. You should watch it. It has an aborted ending, but generally, you, you, you're going to get the point. So the second time she tries it, doesn't seem especially winded after getting tuned up aggressively aggressively that first round she tries it again and rose threatens again which means that she can do it she's being threatened with a submission she can you know slam somebody but this time she um she switches her grip 
and Rose does not adjust. And so when she goes down, her head is exposed. She doesn't tuck. She doesn't let her hands free. I mean, it was very close to the end of, end of the round. Close enough. I mean, I guess the strategy was not to give away a single point. And she went crazy. Yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah, the drop wasn't 12-6. It was legal. I say, I say Rose is still a better fighter. She beats her in a rematch. We're in 100% agreement. But let me get through it. So she goes, um, I happen to think that, I don't know that she was knocked out. She, it's a bad sign generally when you're grabbing the ref's leg. And clearly it was, she was going to be dispatched with extreme prejudice. And you want to protect the fighters. I think the way people generally feel about Rose, they maybe rush to protect her a little bit sooner than I would have liked. Generally, that's a theme that you see running through the shows. My problem with, oops, 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 sorry. I forgot about the blue balls. I forgot about that. Let me plug it in. Reader donated blue balls. Hey, remember that little dog that we had? A little dog that we used to dye pink. Yeah, little snowballs. All right. I'm guessing you can hear me with this. Uh, Roma Raider, courtesy. Still haven't kicked in the camera. Going to do it, bro. Had just been busy. So I think they stopped a little sooner than would have been good. I, I would have wanted to see that she was out of it. But I think she was out of it enough to lay there for a little bit after she got knocked out. And I have to say, if you want, a, if you want an object lesson in, if you want an object lesson in, um, in how to comport yourself on the cusp of a loss, Dial in this one for Rose. That was class from top to bottom. Um, and moreover, she said something that eerily echoed things that you've heard before. Something along the lines of, I can now take a break. Heavy must be the he heavy must be the crown that carries that. Heavy must be the head that carries heavy is the head that carries the crown. I think that's closer to being right. Anderson Silva said the same thing. Demetrius Mighty Johnson said that, said or intimated the same thing. And in a post UFC interview, he was like, man, it's a lot of pressure. Other fighters that we know who I've referenced on this show said it's like having the worst boyfriend or girlfriend in the world. The constant, you know, phone calls, the, the you know, upbraiding and the, you know, the request to do things that are crazy. Suddenly what was fun becomes miserable. This happens. I got into music because I love music. I started doing business. It got to the point around 1987 where I hated it so much, I couldn't do it anymore. I said, what am I hating? Do I hate music? No, I hate the business of music. But then Oxbow, I got so excited about Oxbow because people like actually loved us and we we're gonna go like to Europe and we're gonna, we started doing shows and I started doing the, got back into the business and then had another flip out now in probably 1997 where I fired myself from doing business for Oxbow. Now Oxbow has a kind of collective business model, completely inefficient, but I feel happy. So she said, uh, in essence, she took this fight. She didn't have to. Being the champion, didn't have to go all the way to Brazil to do the fight. 
Could it have been after you she could fight in Vegas? You get to call your shot. She goes, No, I'll go there. You know, knew that very aggressively the odds were, were gonna be against her. If it was a decision, you don't know. There's a question that John Nash is trying to have answered for me since he doesn't know, but I was kind of weirded out, so I'll add I'll add it here. And that's that the judges for this fight, for the main main card fight, were American judges. But I've heard the bald ones say at odd times, I we got nothing to do with the judges. So I'm who who Derek Cleary and the other two judges, um, American names of, of judges who I've heard before, who paid for their ticket to go? Nevada State Athletic Commission. Why the fuck would they be paying for a fight in 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 Rio? Does Brazil have a fight commission? Why would the fight commission Brazil's fight commission be hiring American judges? And who paid for them to get over there? If if uh, if the UFSI and the Baldwin are correct, and there's no financial or business connection between them and the judges and the judging, where did those guys come from, and how did they end up in Rio? John Nash, somebody who was in a prime position to know, did not know. Didn't know. How does he not know? How does nobody know? It struck me during the fight, and I got weirded out. What are they doing there? How did they get there? And more importantly, because I understand logistics, who paid for them to get there? Who? Anyway, that, that's immaterial. So now she said in her in her, her post-fight speech, she was, oh, now I can take a break. And I didn't get a chance to watch the, the, the post-fight presser. And people said, oh, she's going to retire. Oh, she's 26 years old. She's not going to retire. Just needed a break. None of us. I don't know about you. I've not had a job for 10 years. By which I mean... I have not held the same job for 10 years. Ozzy is the longest I've been at any place. I've been there about seven years. Seven years is September. Never been at a place that long. In Silicon Valley, you if you stayed at a job more than four years, you either had an equity stake in the company or something, but you were a freak. If you didn't change jobs every three or four years, you were a loser. Of course, when the recession hit and they look at your resume and you change jobs every two or three years, then you become a flight risk. She's been doing it 10 years without a vacation. Can't take a vacation with a champ because all these people chomp at the bit because they want what you have, which is essentially no vacation. She seemed very calm, very centered, very in place. And I think she understands that, you know, um, her in a, her failure to make that adjustment in the second round was not a failure of ability, but was a failure of wisdom, which is ex essentially a long play for experience, which she now has. The only person that was happy about what happened, and despite the fact that she sent a very nice congratulatory email, was Joanna. Because I think this puts Joanna in play again, which will eventually lead to a trilogy with Rose and a third loss for her, I believe. But that's fine. That's a dramatic arc that I can live with. In the meantime, Jessica can 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 defend. I think there are major holes in, in her game. In other words, if your secret weapon is a slam, 
and we saw this with uh, uh, Rampage, that works for a while. Throwing somebody against, oh, throwing somebody against the earth. Man, I, yeah, you know. There we go. Don't move. I got light problems. Light stands are gone. So outside of this fight, I got nothing else to say. I mean, it was a good fight. I picked Rose, honest loss. I was really ecstatic after that first round, but she got got, and now she gets some time off. I think she'll take a couple of months off, hang, and people on the care don't care are saying crazy, oh, you're a start of femme. Maybe at 26, I just don't see it. I'm going to call it the Mayweather syndrome. Want to retire? Get home? Man, it's kind of boring. Can't take your hands off that third rail and expect things to be, expect that you're going to be comfortable with normal again. But come back at your own pace, at your own speed. Your phone is not ringing like, like the person with the belt starts ringing. And you're going to discover why people are pretty quick to abandon, not pretty quick, but are when they, when they are finished with the belt, they are comfortably finished with the belt. But this, this fight is one of my, it, it leaves both fighters invigorated and still in play. And that is what we call a win-win. Let's go down. The co-main. You know, let me pull it up. Why am I looking at pictures of Rachel Ostovich? Oh, I know why. Because somebody said, oh, she's so hot. And so I had to see what she looked like. I, I don't really feel like she's that hot. But okay, whatever. Takes all types. I mean, she's fine. She's a fine-looking woman, but uh, hot. I, you know, I would, it, I'm old enough now where my, my take on hot is, if I don't know you, I, there's a lot of dirty things hiding if I don't know. You could be absolutely out of your mind. Hot, hot is something that I know. Okay, so let's see. So uh, Jared Kanier and, and uh, uh, Anderson Silva. God, that was a steaming pile of shit. Um, and also, I'm going to have to say, I love Cannoneer. I love him. Um, but I want to see you guys get a little bit more punk rock. You know, I come out and there are 40,000 people booing me. It's the happiest day of my fucking life. And I'm like, because uh, <laughs> as much as you hate me, I hate you twice as much. I hate you and I'm glad to see you because I do hate you. But Cannoneer was focused, and and you're gonna I, if some of you have a long enough institutional memory, you might be tempted to call bullshit on me because of Weidman Silva too. Now, if you remember, you go back in the memory banks. After Weidman Silva won, I said not that it was a work, but that it was a fake and it was a fuck up and it was an invalid win for Weidman. Why? Because fucking Silva was goofing off and fucking around, and he fucked around a little bit too much like Michael Venom Page, and that's about all I'm going to get with Bellator because I'm still pissed at them. One of the cats from Bellator was like, you, you, you don't think because I'm connected to Kogan that, and I did a nice piece on Coker that you guys can fuck around with me. I'm still pissed off about the Rory McDonald, John Fitch thing, and you got it's, it's oh, there goes the other light. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, you, know, you know, hold on. Oh, God. Oh, sorry. 
Don't think because uh, I'm in the Bay Area that I'm willing to I'm willing to overlook that. That was a major screw up. And I got news for you: if that had happened at the UFC, you know, uh, the Baldwin would have been called on the carpet much more aggressively, much more aggressively than Coker was. And everybody did. It was like the Robert Town thing, the movie Chinatown. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Everybody just kind of shrugged. It's Bellator. So that's as close as I'm going to go with Michael Van Page. But that's what I said about, about Weidman Silva 1. There we go. Um, but Weidman Silva 2, if you're, you're going to call bullshit on me, you might remember that Weidman Silva 2, um, where he broke, where uh, uh, Silva broke his leg, I was saying it was another accidental fluke. And like he heard me, Weidman says, fluke nothing. We watched film. We saw how he kicked. We came up with a check for the kick. I used a check for the kick. He broke his fucking leg. That's what happened. And I came around on that one and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So people are uh, doing a cross comparison between that injury and another injury. And, okay, I had to come around to the Weidman thing. With Cannoneer, I saw very quickly that it was a legitimate maneuver. And he, he I didn't even have to hear him say what inevitably he said next, which was, we were practicing this. I was going to work that fu fucking front leg, and I was going to work it and work it and work it until it gave, and it gave. There was nothing wrong with his leg. There was nothing wrong with his leg. Cannoneer is fucking strong, and Silva is old, and the next day, uh, you know, I talk about irrational exuberance. There's also the irrational exuberance connected to losses where his management, management is saying, Oh, oh, okay. Uh, he's still, he's not retiring. He's got some, he wants to challenge. That shit was crazy. Cannoneer is like, unlike Israel on Isaiah, Cannoneer was like, look, yeah, you know, I understand you're greatest of all time. And yo, bro, you're still a man. And right now you're a guy who's in over his head. Get the fuck out of here. Please don't make me hurt you. The fact that Cannoneer was upset that he was being booed actually sort of bugged me out. What do you give a shit? <laughs> a bunch of strangers. Again, it's like somebody being hot. You be hot. You don't know them. They're gonna be hot. I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna give you a, a hot register, you gotta understand that's only worth one percent of a total ten. Because I don't know you. You boo me. I don't know you. What I do know about you is that you're a fucking asshole. Which is kind of what he said. But Silva, you want a de textbook definition of event horizon? That's what we just saw. A guy who was one step away from permanent insignificance and now is permanently insignificant. Who the fuck are they going to get to fight him? Oh, he wants to. He's got these dream matchups, super fight with McNuggets. Uh, that shit is misty as fuck. And you got another missed master. And you're talking about talking about super fights, prize fighting, surprise missed. Look at the people around you when you say stuff like that. They're not looking at you. They can't meet your gaze. Why? Simple reasons. It's crazy. Cannoneer did what he was supposed to do. Didn't get out of the first round. Please, oh please, 
extend to Anderson Silva the same love you extended to, to Chuck Liddell, let him go. Guy's got a beautiful voice. He's doing TV commercials and movies in Brazil to do anything he wants. I know it's going to be rough the first few months of him staying at home. You know, I'm watching, I'm watching Big Nog fucking fishing. I'm following him on Instagram. What the fuck was he doing? He's like, he's like, you know, what is that great line from that Kraftwerk song? She only needs a camera just to change her mind. It's the model by Kraftwerk. You guys get addicted to the cameras and get addicted to love in abstraction. Love in abstraction is worth nothing. They don't know you. You don't know them. It's a generalized love of the people. Let's ask Mussolini how well that played out. Um, so uh, going down, and then we have to start at the top like I'm doing because there are a lot of don't cares at the bottom. Uh, Volkanovski, and I picked Jose Aldo to win. Jose Aldo lost. Jose Aldo is also event horizon. He, he had the Achilles thing going for a while, by which I mean uh, the demigod Achilles. And, you know, there's something weird about demigods. They're two of note. Achilles is one and Hercules is the other. And periodically, and this ties into the end of the show, so this is kind of a foreshadowing. Periodically, these half-human, half-god individuals, it, like the, the god portion of their consciousness is like high octane. It's like jet fuel. Now, you put jet fuel, and I, don't, I have a vague memory of somebody telling me this. I don't know if it's correct. I'm a car guy, but I'm not quite sure. You take jet fuel, but for the purposes of this discussion, the analogy will stick. Put jet fuel, and you put it in a fucking pinto, that pinto is going to burn the fuck up. Periodically, Hercules would flip out and just kill people. The, the, rigor, the, 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 the chores of Hercules, the things that he had to do, uh, those were, that, that was part of his parole hearing. He had to do that because he flipped out and killed a bunch of people. Achilles also had that moment where he was like, ah, oh, fuck these guys. You know, not show me the proper appreciation. I'm going to sit in my tent and you can die. But prior to that, win, 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 win. Like Jose Aldo, win, win. And you start to think that I am a man of providence. It's purely Hitlerian. As long as things went right, he could ignore the generals. And this way, there's a comparison to Trump. Trump was, if you guys are so smart, how come you were in the fucking wilderness for eight years? How come my numbers are so high? How come the economy is doing so well if you all are so fucking smart? Can't you see Providence is smiling on me? Providence encourages belief in providence so much so that when you hit a rough patch like the failure to take moscow the nazi army's failure to take moscow when you hit a rough patch you start to think unhelpful things like providence has turned its back on me god has turned his back on me who will stand against me if God stands with me? No one. Who will stand against me if God doesn't stand with me? Everyone. And the guy is shaky. You could see his head. You could easily rationalize a loss to, to, to McNuggets. 
ah, I got I got overly emotional. I went in there, I rushed to fight Bubba in. But the subsequent losses after that, you take the the, the diagram of his abilities, his age, and his head. So that is where the God has turned his back on me. And that's what we had. And he said after one of those fights that he won and he was crying and then he was not expected to win. I can't remember who it was again. And he was like, I thought I thought I was done. What he was really saying is, I thought God was done with me. Why do you think that God has given me the strength to do this and has denied you the same? But he came out in this fight and saw, huh, win, 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 whatever magical thing destination had in store for me, it's fucking gone. I'm just another fighter now. Why is that? His corner told him, you've lost two rounds. Well, what do you think about that? Two rounds. And he went to the third round and Steph says, you might be a little wrong. I don't know. He went to the third round. It was a weird passivity. And I know I've said there's a curse of doing fights at home. You're worried about ex-girlfriends, your school teachers, friends, fathers of friends, your wife. That's ah, a lot of shit to worry about. Now you're tense. And you, you got all the nation. Everybody's come, will come at. Yeah, and you got a lot of stuff to consider, but I don't think that was the instance. I think this was an instance of a man looking into the departing fucking eyes of Providence. Or maybe more accurately, Providence didn't have anything to do with it to begin with, man. You hit a sweet spot, got a nice ride, you rode the wave in. And now you're in the, what do you call it, the, the foamy stuff at the, at the beat, at the beat, at the break, the beach break. Again, none of us have had jobs as long as some of these guys have had jobs. It's understandable. OSB, other sports beckon. OTB, off-track betting? No. Other things beckon. What things? Don't know. But what we knew, we did not want. What we wanted, we did not know. It's Mussolini. Said that. I think he's done. I think he knows he's done. Hence, not Lost Battalion, but Event Horizon. I, I, I tell, let's ask Diana Ross, where does the road turn for him? I don't know. Did, did Volkanovski turn into great performance? He most certainly did. He most certainly did. Was he exciting? Man, I don't know about that, but he turned into great performance. I thought it was great. Jose? Based on also how much you're paying him, I can't see that continuing. Let's go. Uh, Lorena Starpola and Diego Alves. I picked Alves because I'm a big Alves, uh, ATT, Coconut Grove cat. I like the guy. He's almost a known associate. I think I talked to him in an airport once. I don't think I actually managed to get him on the show. Um, good fight. But I really don't give a shit. I like Alves. And uh, Steph was trying to get me excited about uh, Lorena Starpola. Okay. Uh, going through, uh, Aldana and Betch Correa, I, I didn't care about this fight, but I did pick all, did I, I was going to pick Aldana before I think I said, I don't care. And sure enough, she got submitted. I did watch it cause I was hoping that bitch would win and do that little dance again, but she fucked up her weight. They should have canceled the fight, but whatever. Span and little Nog, little Nog got knocked the fuck out the first. Okay. And I think we're done. I think we're done. 
I don't really care about it. I didn't care about any of these other fights. I'm not going to spend a minute talking about them. But um, somebody had said, uh, oh, yeah, the, the wife beater, sex assaulter, BJ Penn versus the washed up uh, pipe fitter, uh, uh, um, Clay Guida. I think largely the, the less said about this, the better. I don't watch these fights to, to get sad. Um, and let's see. I'm going through the fight with Luana Carolina, Priscilla Cachoeira. I don't care. Uh, Raoni Barcelas, uh, Carlos Hawashin. I don't care. Araha versus Bernardo. Don't didn't care. And that's the end of the fight. And again, once again, uh, Chandler, uh, Patricky, Pitbull, and uh, MVP and Lima. Uh, that was a great knockout, you know. I, dude, what's his name? Uh, MVP fucked around a little bit too much. And there's a benefit. If you haven't seen the macro benefit of fucking around like that, the macro benefit of that is you can always say, I was fucking around. And, you know, people would rather see you fuck around and get pasted than to than to Francis Carmont it. That's the reality of it. A perfectly workmanlike performance doesn't get you as much. I guarantee you, the numbers, uh, the numbers on that fucking MVP, just the viewing of the even is viral. Curtis Blades, I can't think of any of his fights that probably do those kind of numbers. I don't know why I picked him, but I, I like him. But his fights a little bit sleepy. But uh, anyway, in the last 14 minutes, um, I'm sorry to give short shrift. And, and I said I was going to talk about UFC Rochester. I actually, out of a 14 card, 14 card bill, I think I had six cares. But it's really weird to still feel like I don't. I I'm going to go see John Wick rather than no. Actually, I could see it on Friday. You see John Wick on Friday. So I don't, I don't have, but I mean, UFC Rochester, all right, bro. I, I don't feel passionately about any of these fights, but I do have six cares. But what I mean is if you walked up to me and we started talking and you said, oh my God, did you see, I would listen to you. I'd be interested, but being interested is very different being interested enough to get into your ass in a seat or get the phone and let, and look it up. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we have to see. Let me, let me, let me, let me, I, like, I'll give you an example. Hold on. Upcoming events. Uh, it's Sarin. Oh, yeah. So it's a RDA, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kevin Lee. For those just listening on the radio, uh, I just took a deep sigh and shrugged my shoulders. I mean, I'm not – look, they're perfectly good fights on this card, right? Uh, let me see. I cared about Dos Anjos and Kevin Lee. Um, I cared about Magni and uh, Vicente uh, Luque, uh, Aspen Ladd and Sajara Banks. I cared about Charles Oliveira and Nick Lentz. I cared about Megan Anderson and Felicia Spencer. Um, I cared about, uh, and that was it. <laughs> I think that I think that was it. I don't know. I don't want to waste any more time talking about it. 
I mean, you know, yeah, I don't want to be a nattering nabob of negativity. And fortunately, this show is not an MMA show. I can talk about anything I'd like, which I'm about to do. But it was first and foremost on my mind to talk about these fights and how we are entering a, a, an interesting transition period driven by commerce and the purchase by ESPN of the UFC and the different pricing structures. People today are praising uh, Sean Shelby, also known as Keith, and I guess he's doing the best that he's ever done. I still think I still miss Joe Silva to a certain degree, but the nervous-looking Sean Shelby, also known as Keith, is doing a fine job. But let's talk about something else in the last 12 minutes of the show. Um, and, and you're just going to have to, we're going to have to pierce the veil of laughter and just make believe I'm talking about something fictional. All right. Um, I have talked about, let's, let's enter it this way. Um, trans folks, trans people. They, they have looked for an endocrinological basis for trans, uh, gender dysmorphia. And thus far, people inside the community have resisted because they say, well, this is, you know, you're making a disease of something that's not a disease. I have to go with who it is that I am inside. Yes, 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 but we're scientists. And that sh we should be able to detect if we study the commonalities between you, we might be able to, this is not just a decision that you made. What you're saying is you feel this with an intensity inside that's ruining your life not to recognize it. So whether it's that, you know, 300 pound bodybuilder who recently decided, fuck it, my name is Jenna and made the transition, fine. It happens to a wide enough cross section of people at this point. I have a friend whose girlfriend was a receptionist at a sex change clinic. And he went, I went there to pick him up once, and he says, you see all those file cabinets against the wall? Those are people who are all transitioning. This is not the same as LGBT, LGBTQ. I'm going to make a statement here, and you're just going to have to roll with it. I think that it's people's past lives that have imprinted on their consciousness so aggressively that the echoes of it continue. I know because I have echoes. In my instance, however, I was a man in my last life. You can laugh all you fucking want, but what do you think deja vu is? And you start to go back. You could do this more accurately and more aggressively when you were younger. There is that kid in England. He's on YouTube who re remembered with a great degree of accuracy Six-year-old kid, places he had never been in England. And they tracked it down. And they found, this is a guy used to live here, had a little black dog. The kid saw it. He remembered, he remembered his entire previous life. They said, well, there was, he said there were airplanes. There were no airplanes. Said, oh, it turns out there was an airplane. The, the city recorder is called bullshit. Oh, the kid, there was never anybody there. The city recorder sheepishly came back in and said, no, actually there was. That kid actually tightened up his circle and he came back as his, as his great grandson. In other words, he had been his grandfather. 
There was stuff this kid couldn't possibly have fucking known. He was directing them down roads in a town in England where he had never been. Again, it could be a scam, but to what end? It's not like this kid is doing a concert circuit. So when you're younger, you have intimations of this stuff. I asked my mother way before I knew anything about religion. Say, hey, mom, yeah, am I Jewish? She laughed and laughed. No, you're not Jewish. You know what? I wasn't just asking that because I heard somebody say Jewish on TV. Intimations. How did I live my last life? I'm gonna, I've told you before. I was in a room full of people who were shot. And I remember being on the floor and I was still alive. And I was holding my breath, making believe I was dead. And the guy walked, was walking from body to body, and they got and they stood over me, and I held my breath. And typically in my early stages, when I was younger, I would stop the dream there and wake up. And when I decided to do dream control, you know, where you actually start to control things in your hypnagogic state, is when I carried it through that moment and I realized I was shot dead. I always thought it was a mafia thing because by the time I was seven or eight, I was watching mafia movies. I actually went to see Godfather with my great grandmother. She took me. But it wasn't that. I wasn't armed. But, I mean, clearly we're talking about the 30s. So I don't have gender dysmorphia because what's speaking to me through the veil, the veil... I got, let me, let me, let me, let let me hammer this home in a different way. We've all been alive at least a week. It is Sunday now. What did you wear last Sunday? I did this show. You watch it. Some of you watch this show uh, well past Sunday. Maybe you watch it Tuesday or Wednesday. Some of you say, oh, I haven't watched it yet, Eugene. I watch it on Wednesday. What did I wear the last show? Don't remember. Those are our lives in the material plane. Can't remember my last life very clearly. I have intimations. I get these weird feelings of deja vu. I get weird feelings about things I didn't know. The cross-section of people who have gender dysmorphia is too large for them not to have found a biological basis for it, and they haven't as far as I know. It's a past life imprinted. But I've come up with something new. You've heard me talk about this before. I've come up with something new. And bit by bit, they've dropped it in. Where they say, you know, we're really living in a sim. Which is something that was popularized by the Matrix, again. But we are in a game. Not a sim, a game. Oh, bullshit, Yuji. We have rules. We have the Talmud, the Torah, the Quran, the Bible, Buddha. We have, I'm not the first one to see this. And we only know about these, uh, oh, you're saying that you're like Buddha, that you're like Jesus. I said, no, there's more people than that. Who've actually been able to understand that inside the material world, we are in a game. We've been given a rule set. And we try to adhere to their rule set. Sam Kinison 
had his car smashed into. Strangely enough, with all the drugs and alcohol he did, he was not drunk, but had his car smashed into by some drunk teenager. And he had an intense conversation. He said, I'm fine if I leave me alone. And then he had this, he went into this kind of fugue state. Biologically, materially, what had happened is his aorta had ruptured. But he was speaking to somebody who nobody else could see. And he was like, let's call that person the game master. He's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And they said something to him, the game master. And he goes, no, look, I don't want to die. I got too much. And then whatever the game master said, he's like, don't worry. You're going to come back. This is just a game. And he goes, oh, okay. And then he died. Read about Sam Kinison's death. He let loose of the game. And, and so I, I, I laid this out to Kasha last night, and she said, this sounds eerily like a kind of predestination so that people who have uh, bad things happen to them have willed this on themselves. To a certain degree, lots of people have said that before was my response. But more specifically, that has to do, I play a little zombie game on my phone sometimes. It has simple, beginners, basic, intermediate, crazy. You choose the crazy option, Right away, your character is being chased by 35 fast moves. moves up. You can't get, you can't even get more than one level on this. You chose it just to see what would happen. I mean, the game has risks. Nirvana, a concept, heaven, a concept, is really addressing the successful play of the game. Once your game is concluded, and you shuffle off this mortal coil, you are outside of the material world, and you are pure consciousness. Laws of thermodynamics, uh, thermodynamics, uh, energy can't be created or destroyed. This changes form. I go somewhere where I dream that's not dependent on my body. My body is responding to cues outside of the material world. So I'm thinking of doing a screenplay called The Game of Life, where somebody has this revelation and tries to communicate to people that, that I mean, fundamentally, if you, are, if you are successfully playing the game in this material plane world, of course you don't want to let, you want to remember that, that Tuesday night where you wore that plush purple tux for example i remember what i wore to my eighth grade graduation and i remember what i wore to my high school my high school prom not because there are photos there are but i just remember if you live life successfully in the material plane there's a lot of stuff that you remember I remember kissing the hot girl that everybody loved this girl when I was 13. And I got in there. I remember lots of events. I mean, not all sexual, lots of really, I remember the birth of my daughter. These are things I'd like to own. I'd like to hold on to. I'd like to remember this, what I, that, that, that suit that I wore that Tuesday. And there's no guarantee that once I step out of the game, that I'm going to be able to recall any of that stuff. Though we do know 
that you do recall stuff. People have asked me, Eugene, you know, are you Jewish? And I said, I've stopped fighting it. Insofar as my past lives have something to do with this life, it's an accretion of, of pre-life experience, a priori knowledge and pre-life experience. I'm all over. It's fine. No longer resisting. It doesn't fundamentally change things. This is why you have to be careful with conspiracy theory. People who talk about uh, Martin Luther King and, and Robert Kennedy and John F. Kennedy, they get very wrapped up in it. And I've been one of those people. But the reality of it is they have left the material plane. They could have come back as something else. I don't know. But they're gone. So no matter what we find out, it's not going to undo what's been done. At all. Okay. Okay. But this is, this is, this in and of itself. Okay, Eugene, how is it going to change how you're currently, presently living your life? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm less excited about when I think about um, it's changed my relationship to difficulty. You know, I know you play Fortnite, you whatever, whatever your video game is, your game, your chess, the checkers, you know, you have rough spots. You kick the board over, you're angry, you say, you start again. But keep in mind, this is a crucial game. You waste start again, but you won't remember what you wore on Tuesday. Outside of dibbles and dribbles and drabs of memory connected to pre-life, all of us have had them. I guarantee you, if you're not having them, you haven't admitted it to yourself. Go back to your earliest memory. I have a memory of living in Queens. I must have been three years old, pre-language. I probably started talking at two. Remember sitting, being bathed in a bathtub. I remember the type of soap it was. I can smell it. I can feel the bathtub. I can see the bathtub. Keep going. I remember saying I was baptized. I remember saying to my mother, was I, was I immersed? Was it a, a Baptist baptism? Was I immersed in water? She goes, no, they just sprinkle water in your head. So what is this memory I'm having of all of this water? That was birth. I don't know why, it, why it's, it, it's, it, it's strange. It was a fairly significant event in this life. So the only real thing that I think it, it, it makes it significant is it really changes how you play it. And you might be out there having down moments, go, man, this sucks. Nothing's ever going to fucking change. Why am I? Yeah. The only reason to die unfulfilled is if you die accidentally. You got to be able to, to ignore destiny and fate. And ideational notions about where you want to be have to be embraced. The things I want that I don't have. 
I'd like to have my time free to write two more novels or a novel and a screenplay, this being one of them. Can't. I get up at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, do jujitsu, and then go to work and write other things for other people about other things. But I'm going to exercise some will and get to the next level of this game. So far at the age of 56, I've done okay. I've made a couple of tactical errors, none of which have been life-threatening. But you can't let the game beat you. You cannot. Those people, I, I you know, uh, I'm about to go in October to my whatever it is. I graduated from college in 1984. So do the math on that. 1984, what is that? Uh, how many is it? 35 years? Well, it's easy to figure out. Let's see, I got out of college when I was 22. Yeah. Well, you do the math for me. You know what I mean? It's a long time ago. And I'm going to see different people there in various stages of relinquishing the game. You can't do it. Biologically, in a material world, your player parts start to fail. Old people don't fucking come from planet Oldtonia. They're us in the latter stages of the game. But your parts want you to play less effectively over the course of time. And they'll convince you of that. You can reconvince them of other things. Some they were talking about Laird Hamilton, the the, the the surfer, the intense surfer. He has a crew of cats who are all about his age and older. And what they do is kill it. Professionally, hobby-wise. What are we doing today? Let's go bike riding. They don't ride bikes like you and me might ride bikes. They're all intensely competitive and they're lengthening their telomeres tricking their bodies into believing they need to stay alive longer. They're playing the game to the fullest. If you were to drive by them on the road, you go, look at those old cats riding bikes. You wouldn't think anything of it. They're playing. They're winning. Jim Carroll. I, I, I like Jim Carroll. Even though there are tons of people who could have written that book, he captures a really special section of New York, New York Onia. Died of a heart attack sitting in his apartment. Kid, local kids were playing. Yeah, we always just see that guy just sitting in there alone. Play a different type of game. Different type of consciousness. The choices you make in this playing of the game affect the choices you make in your next portion of the game. I don't know who's running the game. Once you step outside the material world, I don't know how your consciousness is housed or how it converses. But I think I'm on to something here, and I think you should pay attention to it. Anyway, I've gone way over, 10 minutes over, I think, close to 10 minutes over. This is V65 of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. Thank you for listening. Go to patreon.com slash the stomper. Tuesday night, we'll be back for If I Did It, If the Shoes Fit. Monday afternoon, care, don't care. And that's all the MMA shows. I don't know what I have coming up this week on Ozzy, but you still got to watch Ozzy Confidential. O-Z-Y 
com slash confidential. If you can't spell confidential, I can't help you. You can listen to the whole first season there. I'm like a little rabbit putting away nuggets. I'm, I'm booking the second season now, and it'll be a banger. Get there first before they make me change it into something stupid. Oh, next up, a guy was directing a movie about penguins. That won't be an effective playing of the game. Anyway, thanks for listening. V65, I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. We will see you soon, Tuesday night, Monday night for Care Don't Care, uh, and next week the fights again on Sunday, maybe with a You Kill Me, uh, the film review for Reprobates after we see John Wick. Until then, take care of yourself. Be careful. But look what you made me do!